There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Fortman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. This is, come on, confession, or excuse me. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10, and I win in Jesus' name. Remain standing. I want you to go to John chapter 13, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John, John now. His gospel is perhaps one of the most interesting because he was the closest to Jesus, so he got greater revelation. Proximity gives you greater perspective. John 13 and 7, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing now, uh, and we looked at this on Sunday, what I'm doing, you do not what? Understand now. Say, I may not understand it, when I'm in it. Say, it may hurt when I'm in it. Say, but there's a big but. But you will know when? After this. Now, I told you starting Sunday is your after this. Because from now to the end of this year, we're getting you ready for what will be the banner year. A banner year means a year that's exceptionally successful and exceptionally well. Uh, say, so from now until the end of this year, say, I'm in my after this. Say the rest of this year will make perfect sense to me after this. I'm in my after this. Father, speak to us now that we would move and walk in what you've ordained. Customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people tonight, that we would walk in the greatness you have ordained. It is your will that we'd be on 10. That's experiencing the best of the best people, places, things, and ideas. Tonight, we shake off discouragement. We shake off defeat. We shake off depression. We shake off confusion. We shake off the weak. We shake off financial issues. We shake off family issues. Whatever the issue is, we shake that mess off tonight, and we declare we're ready to receive from you tonight, Father. Speak to us with clarity answer every question answer every prayer that folks have got tonight I declare some supernatural is getting ready to manifest in this place why because now is the time for the saints of the most high God to rise up and to possess the kingdom that's who you said we could be and what you said we could have we are in our after this and everything that did not make sense is beginning to make sense. Everything we did not understand, we're beginning to understand. Everything that confused us and perplexed us, we're beginning to understand it because we are in our after this. If you believe it, somebody give him praise tonight. Lay your hands on yourself. Say your name. Say you are the birth of a new nation. 
You can be sitting in the presence of the Lord. We are tonight concluding the series we've been in called American Idols, which has been designed to demolish misinformation and misunderstanding about God's word. And today I want to teach you this, how God changes the world through you. Say, God is going to change the world through me. Now, I know some of y'all saying, Bishop, I'm just trying to get my bail bills paid. And that's your problem is you solve two small problems. You didn't hear what I just said. God is doing something in you and through you that is much bigger than you. Your whole life is not even about you. Everything you've gone through is not about you. The hell you've gone through is not about you. The pain you've gone through is not about you. It is about using your life to change the lives of somebody else. Say, I'm using my life to change lives. Say, a new, nerf a new nation's being birthed through me. Now, now, you ain't saying like you mean it. Y'all talking kind of weak to me. Say, a new nation is being birthed through me. Uh, matter of fact, that's why since you were a little child, you've been dealing with stuff that truth be told, if other folks knew it, they say, how in the world do you still have your right mind? How in the world are you still standing? Uh, matter of fact, truth be told, if you look back over your life, it's like color purple. All your life, you had to fight. All your life, you've been misunderstood. All your life, you've been betrayed. All your life, you've had folks that have done your dirty. Well, you are in your after this. And in your after this, everything you went through begins to make sense. Would you high five your name and say, I had to go through it. Because I'm about to change some lives. Y'all ain't saying it like you mean it, would you? Grab somebody else and say, I needed to go through it so I could transform somebody else's life. How you going to tell people he can get you out of a valley unless you've been through one? How you going to tell people he can change lives unless he's changed yours? Somebody say, I am a birth of a new nation. John 13, 7 illuminates a potent principle that there are certain things that can happen in your life now, but you will uh, not understand it while it's happening, but you will understand it later. Well, it's time for you to understand. Everything you've been going through this year is uh, getting you prepared and has been preparing you to step into what will be the greatest year of your life. Now, hear me, you're at harvest because God is going to do it through you. Mm -hmm. The problems you've been complaining about in your family, he's going to fix it through you. The stuff you've been complaining about in your community, he's going to fix it through you. The stuff you've been complaining about on your job, he's getting ready to fix it through you. Would you high five somebody else and say, you are the answer? If not you, then who? And if not, if not now, then when? Now, this year, you understand, it has been God's desire for harvesters to be on 10, which is a modern colloquialism, and it also, in biblical numerology, means to experience the best of the best. Now, on Sunday, I took you back to the series, I'm on 10, and back to the series, Messages for Motown, to remind you what that means, because some of you did not understand why this year has had to be what it has been for you. For most people, this year, while it has been the best of times, simultaneously, it has also been some of the worst of times. While you have been on high mountains, you've also had some deep valleys. While you've had some great emotional days, you've also had some days you've been in the dumps. While you've had some days you felt like you were the best, you've had some days where you looked at your life and thought it was the worst. Anybody, that's been your testimony. Well, say it had to happen that way. Uh -huh. I gave you these things. There were eight things I gave you in those series that I mentioned um, that happen when you're on 10. Now say, I'm still on 10. Uh -huh. Matter of fact, your neighbor doesn't even have a clue. They're sitting next to the best of the best. They're sitting next to somebody that is the interruption to the dysfunction in their bloodline. They're sitting next to somebody that is the curse breaker in their bloodline. They're sitting next to somebody, watch this, that's already beaten all the statistics in their bloodline. So God says, you beat all of that. Now I'm getting ready to... I gave these things. Uh, on 10 is when you walk in a new order. That new order is the order of the kingdom. Say the kingdom. 
Uh, say new order. Kingdom. There are 10 commandments which represent you walking in a new order. Uh, now, please understand. Uh, say 10. Now, I also talked to you about uh, keeping the kingdom first in the five T's. You should know the five T's real good. Matter of fact, just throw it five. Say, I got five on it. Because I'm going to put your five up now. Say, I got five on it. Five fingers, church. Five fingers. Watch this. Okay. Uh, God first in your time. What's that? Church attendance. God first in your treasure. What's that? Tithes, offerings, first fruits. God first in your testimony. What's that? Inviting people to church. God first in your thirst, which is your? Come on, which is your what? And God first in your talent, which is serving in the church. Okay, some of y'all had it. Some of y'all was kind of going off of your neighbor like, you're going to have it after a while. You're going to have it after a while. Just smile at me. You're going to have it after a while. Now, now I said, God does not give power to something that is out of order. Nor does God bless, which is an empowerment to prosper or to make it to do well if it is out of order. So God says this year he's been putting your life in order, which is why your life has been so noisy. Because whenever God is bringing order, it's just like cleaning a dirty house. You got the vacuum going. You got the bleach over here. You got the pine all over here. Somebody, somebody over in the kitchen doing that. Somebody over here doing that. Please understand, don't run from the noise. The noise is proof order is coming. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Touch your neighbor and say, all that noise is because order's coming. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. If you've ever used to have a Saturday morning family clean up the house time, the house got real loud. It got real loud not because things were bad, but because things were finally getting good. So you don't understand that God always starts a new day when it's dark on the previous day, which means all the noise, all the chaos, all the confusion that's been going on in your life is God saying, I'm finally bringing order. He is the God that looks at chaos and calls it into cosmos. He is the God that looks at disorder and calls it into order. And so this year, God had to bring new order into your life. And that was the order of the kingdom. What is the kingdom, Bishop? It is God's modus operandi, how God does things. Simply put, it is making what's important to God important to you. Say, that's the kingdom. Say, that's his order. See, you can't say that you love him if you don't make what's important to him important to you. In fact, don't let people tell you that they love you if they don't make what's important to you important to them. I need to tell you, no longer will you live trying to die to get over to heaven, but you're in your after this, which means you will live well to bring heaven down to earth. Say, I'm living well to bring heaven to earth. Say, that's the kingdom. He did not die just for you to get out of hell free card. He did not die just so you can live in hell on earth. He died for you to rule, to reign, to conquer, and to subdue. But before you can get there, he says, I need to get your stuff in order. Which means for some of you, your finances are out of order. So he started starving the beast. What does that mean, Bishop? He reduced you down to where you didn't have as much to philander off of. Y'all not saying nothing. He had to call some order. Say order. All right, second thing I told you was that on 10 is when new order opens up new power. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit, which is now simply the ruach, the breath of God, it is the essence of God, filled those that were in the upper room 10 days after the ascension of Jesus. Say 10. It represented a new power. Here they are. They're all gathered together on what's called the day of Pentecost or in Hebrew, the feast of Shavuot. And it's 10 days after Jesus has now gone back. And it's 10 days later. Say 10 days later. They're all sitting in this place called the upper room. And while they're there, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and it fills them and it gives them this power. That Greek word, the language of our New Testament, that it gives them is dunamis. Say dunamis, which is ability. Watch this. Once you get an order, now you need ability. 
God is not interested, watch this, in repeating anything that he's already done in your life. He's interested in you having ability to do what you've never done in your life. This is why even in the church, people talk about we need a revival. No, we don't. Revival means to bring back to life something that's dead. Our God doesn't revive stuff. Our God refreshes and renews stuff, which means he's doing something new, which means stop looking back and saying those were the good old days four years ago. Baby, those were the good old days back then. But you're a whole nother you today, which means you got a whole new barometer by which good old days have a measurement and a standard. It's ability. Say ability. Then it means abundance. Say abundance. Uh, then it means meaning say meaning after they got order he said i'm gonna give you new ability i'm gonna give you new abundance and i'm gonna give you new meaning check it out if you really are honest with yourself over this year stuff that used to mean something don't mean nothing yeah yeah <laughs> i wish i had some honest moment. it's some stuff that if you're honest about your life some stuff that used to really be at the top of your list truth be told you can't even find it on your list no more your order of priorities has changed. So you used to worry about trying to please people that weren't paying for nothing. But then, then, then your meaning changed. You, you used to miss church for anybody, but now you're like, man, ain't nobody got time for that. I ain't missing for you, 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 you. If Say my life has new meaning. Say it has new meaning. Which means what used to mean something doesn't mean anything as more and what wasn't as important now the priorities have shifted He says once you get in order you'll have new meaning So you used to find your meaning in relationships, so he made them fail Y'all not saying nothing You used to only think you were valuable if you had a bay and God said I'm gonna kick every bay up out your life So you recognize and realize that if it ain't me you gotta be like Alicia Keys some people want it all but I don't want nothing at all if it ain't you. So God says, I'll put every one of them out. You're going to learn today. Say new meaning. Some of you thought that your mean, you only had meaning if you had money. So he said, let me mess with your money. And then you'll recognize that that money don't make you. You make that money. Watch this, which is why many of you, watch this, you're doing more with less. Okay, y'all ain't like going all right, all right, all right. Uh, it means ability, abundance, meaning. Then that word dunamis, he says, after they're in order, now he's going to give them power. Say power. power. Come on, talk to me, church. Say power. power. Say dunamis. Power. All right, might. God says, watch this. There is a might in you, and your might determines the intensity of your fight. Amen. God says, this year, I have intensified your might, which has intensified your fight. The old you would punk out over a little thing. By punk out, I mean throwing the towel. Okay, y'all, y'all ain't gonna talk to me. But after you've been through the hell you've been through this year, you look at certain things and be like, that's the best you got. It's like the scene from What's Love Got to Do with It when Ike and Tina was sitting in the back of the in the back of the Cadillac limo and she looked over at Ike after being beaten for years and she said, That's the best you got. I think of some folks at Wizard at Line that are looking at some of the stuff going on in your life, and you're like, That's the best you got. I beat this, I beat that, I beat this, I beat that. You're like David. I beat the lion. I beat the bear. I beat the gun. That's the best you got? I dare you to just think about something going on in your life and say, that's the best you got. I, I dare you to think about a financial issue you got in your life and say, that's the best you got. I, I dare you to just think about a negative thought you've been having and say, that's the best you got, baby. This year is giving me new might, which means I fight differently. I'm not quitting like I used to. I'm not giving up like I used to. I'm... 
But then that word means strength. Say strength. See, to have might, you need strength because it doesn't matter if you can fight, but you're not strong enough to fight. Some people are skilled fighters, but they don't have strength to fight. This year has given you strength. Say strength. You need it, watch this, to go through what you went through so that you could accurately ascertain the level of strength you have. And accurately ascertain areas where you thought you were strong, but you were really weak. That's why the scripture says, take heed those who think they stand lest they fall. Because often where you think you're strong is really where you're weak. And where you think you're weak is really where you're strong. Does your neighbor say, you get it twisted sometimes. Okay, let's go with that neighbor we said we're going to stick with the good one. Okay, let's stick with that one. Okay, say sometimes you get it twisted. Sometimes you get it. Oh, God. Then it means the power and the influence that comes with riches. Say, Say they got order. Then they got dunamis. Now here's what that word means. Here's, here's, here's what 20, this, uh, this year has been giving you. It gives you pecuniary ability. That's what that is. It's the power and influence that comes with riches. Okay, you, you missed it. See, that's why you've been getting so much favor. Y'all yeah, yeah, not saying that. It's the power and influence that comes with riches. Money talks. But God says, I'm going to show you. Let me show you something. God says, I'm going to give you favor. And your favor is going to scream while your money was going to talk. Somebody says, Bishop, what in the world is favor? Favor is when you get preferential treatment. Favor is when they say, we don't normally do this, but for you. Favor is when they say, we shouldn't wave it, but we will. Favor is when they say, we should evict you, but we won't. Favor is when they say, we should take the car, but we won't. Favor is when they say, you shouldn't be out this hospital, but you are. Would you have to have your neighbor and say, you got favor, you got favor. How do I know it? I know it because I should be messed up, should be jacked up, should be tore up, should be, but his favor. Somebody holler favor. Pecuniary ability. Watch this. God says, I'm, I'm going to give you power and influence like you have riches. I ain't going to raise your salary, but I'm going to raise your favor. Some of you are like, I just need more money. God says, no, that ain't the problem. You need more favor. Here's what favor will do. Favor will bring the price down to your range. Favor will have you go in there just at the right time to get the right deal. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Favor will make the doctor say, we don't understand what we're reading. We re-ran the test over and over and over again. But somehow for you, say pecuniary ability. It means more power and excellence. So they got all of these things after they were in order. Then they got power. This year, as you've been getting things in order, you've been receiving power power can't have power when you're out of order let me prove to you that order's been coming because this year you got frustrated with you more than you've ever gotten frustrated with yourself before ain't no honest people tonight let me okay let me throw my feet in that thing this year your problem wasn't so much other folk truth be told you wasn't even mad at the folks that betrayed you you were mad that you didn't catch it You were like, how did I let this slip? How did I let this pass? How did this get past me? Say, order's been coming. That order, come on, talk to me. Say, that order brings power. 
Now watch this. The third thing I gave you, arm 10, is when your thankfulness changes the odds. We're getting to the message. I just need to remind you where we were. Jesus healed 10 lepers. One out of the 10 was made whole because he was thankful. Any thankful people in here tonight? Watch this. Changing the odds, everything with God is possible, but not everything with God is probable. So to change the odds, you have to change probability. I use this example, but it's the one that makes the most sense and it's easy for people to visualize. Lay your hands on your stomach. Lay your hands on your stomach. Now, whether you have a six-pack, a keg, whatever you got right there, or just, you know, whatever, whatever it is, just, just lay your hands on it. That's okay. Just love you some you. Say, I love me some me. Whatever you put, whatever this here is, you better love it. Don't let nobody out love you loving you. Love your neighbor as yourself, which means you can't give somebody what you don't give you. Now, watch this. Say, in the name of Jesus, right now, I command you to be totally ripped. Six pack, right now. Jesus' name. Now, look at y'all shouting like you. I receive it, Bishop. Look at y'all. Now, here's the deal. I'm feeling. Did you feel any change? Now, somebody like, wait a minute, Bishop, I don't know. Let me run to the bathroom. I just, it could have been a miracle. Could have been a miracle. Now, with God, all things are possible. Not all things are probable. What's the probability that that becomes, if it, wasn't, if it ain't already, that it turns into a six-pack? You got to go to the gym. Or get you one of them rollers. And we can do it. I get it again with me and you. We can do them. I do them every evening. We can link up, have an accountability partner. I'm doing it in the spirit. You do it too, Okay. Now, here's the point I'm making. But when you're thankful, God says, not only will I be the God of impossibilities, but I will also be the God of improbabilities. What does that mean? Stuff that is improbable to happen for you, to you, through you, in you, I'll do. The lepers, all of them were cleansed, but only one of them was made whole. What's the significance, Bishop? The other nine still had the same root issue that caused them to become lepers, which meant leprosy could return. But the one fixed his root issue, which changed his probability for his future, meaning that the leprosy would not return. Let me see if I can just cut through the fat and get it to you. When God begins to be the God of the improbable, he starts at your roots. No, you, you, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. Uh, you didn't get that. God says, listen, I want to do some improbable stuff for you. But to do that, I got to go fix your roots. All right. Uh, ladies, if you go get your hair did, get your hair done. And you're talking about, I want you to do all this down here. What, what's the head that's going to tell you? We need to go deal with them roots. Can't be silky smooth down here. And look different up here. I'm just trying to get it to you so you understand it because y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I'm just trying to give you as many analogies as I can. What, what's the point? Point is this. God says, this year, I've been getting to your root issues. Which is why stuff you thought you had overcome resurfaced this year. Because in past years, you weren't thankful. And when you weren't thankful, I dealt with the fruit, but I never got to the root. But because of how thankful you've been, I'm dealing with the root. And if I deal with the root, that means I'm changing your probability. 
Did you get that? I don't have time to work it. I got to move on. Watch this. Uh, number four was on 10 is when freedom begins. Say on 10 is when freedom begins. There were 10 plagues in Egypt that caused Pharaoh to release God's people, which represented freedom from sin, low self-esteem, the slave mentality, generational curses, unnecessary drama, and donkeys. Deuteronomy 22.10s. All right, here we go. Deuteronomy 22.10 in the King James Version. I told you I was going to preach it as often as I could. I left it alone for two, three months, but I'm coming right back to it tonight. All right, one, two, ready, you read it. All right, you're an ox. You need to check to make sure the rest of the animals in your circle are oxes. Touch your name. Touch your name. So you need to check. Check. This is the fifth Wednesday, somebody told me. Is it? Uh, in my mind. Now, watch this. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The children of Israel came out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. And this year, God says, I've been extracting Egypt from you. You missed it. He's been extracting Egypt from you. Watch this. He's been extracting bad mentalities from you. He's been extracting low self-esteem from you. Say, it's coming out of me. So you keep thinking if you change places that you'll change problems. But if you're the same in a new place, you'll make a new place an old place with the same problems because you're the same you. What's been happening is you and you this year is God has been pulling the Egypt out of you. That's why this year it's been very difficult for you to ever get comfortable. Ain't nobody going to talk to me. Seems like every time you got out of one thing, you're like, okay, I'm finally good. I'm finally good. Then something else came. And then you're like, whoo, I get one day to rest. Then something else came. And then you're like, oh, God, thank you, Jesus. I get 20 minutes. No, then something else came. Because God says, I'm not letting you get comfortable this year because comfort is the antithesis of change. And to change, I need you to be uncomfortable because what you're about to step into is going to be bigger than you could ever imagine. And I can't have an old you going into a new year. Here it is. Say, freedom has begun. Say, I am free from low self-esteem. I am free from a slave mentality. I am free from unnecessary drama. Come on, talk to me like you mean to say, I am free from Deuteronomy 22.10s. I am free from sin. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Would the free people holler one time if you know it? Bishop, why do you always have a shouting and hollering? Because it's a weapon. Praise is a weapon. Which means your praise can do more for you than your education can, depending on the circumstance and the scenario. Your praise can do more for you than the people that you know. Your praise can go ahead of you and fight some battles for you. Which is why, watch this. Let me just parenthetically insert this. Which is why sometimes you start going through tough times. What's the last thing you want to do? Praise God. They talking about, come on, lift your hand. You're just like... Why? Because the enemy knows if, if he breaks out in a praise, if she busts a move in a praise, some weapons are going to start getting shot out against their enemies. That's why Second Chronicles 20 and 22 says, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies. I dare somebody to just fire off a cannon right quick. Fire off a Uzi right quick. Y'all not saying nothing. Your praise is a weapon. Your praise is a 
weapon. Your praise is up. Which means if they're talking about you before you retaliate, praise. Yo, I've, can I just take a 30-second uh, digression right here? If they're lying on you before you lie back, praise. If they stole from you before you steal from them, praise. Yo, I'm not saying nothing. If you're feeling discouraged before you stay in that dark place, praise. Because your praise is a weapon. Watch this. Watch this. Number five I gave you was on 10 is when Absaloms are struck down. Now, now, some of you said, we did all this on Sunday. I know. I just want to get to where I'm going. I just need you to, do, need you to go back through memory lane. Redundancy is the teacher's best friend. Once you get tired of saying it, that's normally when people get it. Let me help the parents because some of you parents are like, Bishop, I keep saying this. Mm-hmm. Right. That's called coaching. Right. Think about it. Think about it. So once you get tired of saying it, that's when they get it. Think about it. Football coaches, basketball coaches, whatever, they spend all this time going over the same stuff. It ain't like the game going to change. Football is run the ball, pass the ball, block, hit. Touchdown. Field goal, which from what I understand, we need to pray. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Touch, Lord. Now, (laughs) Now, here's the point. Here's the point. So why do they have practice? They practice more than they play. See, some of you don't understand that the process you're in is more important to the place you're headed. Your journey is more important than the destination. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. They practice four or five days a week to play one game. So which means, watch this, as long as you practice it, that means God says, I want to make sure you're ready for the game. And 2016 was practice. Preach to yourself, Bishop Foreman. 2016 was practice. Somebody on a digital campus. 2016 wasn't a game. That's why you didn't lose. You just learned. The game's getting ready to... I tell you this. On 10 is when Absalom was struck down. 2 Samuel 18... 14. Absalom was David's son. And he tried to... I told you the story. You know the story. He tried to have a coup on David. And he tries to take the government, the nation from his father, David. And it's interesting. I told you on Sunday because as he's doing this, David ends up mourning over Absalom. And it's really interesting because he, Absalom was trying to take him down. Absalom turned the people to him to turn them away from David. And Absalom was trying to take David's nation down. And when Absalom finally died, David started mourning because David had misplaced loyalties. This year has been about you correctly placing your loyalties because they've been misplaced. You placed them in people because of blood. That's not Bible. That's why Jesus defines the difference between relatives and family. Relatives are people who share common ancestry as you. Family are people headed the same direction as you. That's why when Jesus' mothers and brothers came in, I'm preaching better than y'all and saying amen. That's why when Jesus' mothers and brothers came to see him one day when he was preaching, watch this, they tried to interrupt his assignment. Whenever you are, watch this, in pursuit of what God has sent you to the earth for, interruption will always come through the form of bloodline. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. 
That's why some of the family drama came up. And notice, it normally comes up to keep you out of church. Normally, it normally comes up to keep you from praying. It normally comes up to distract you. So watch this. Jesus, when they come up to her, they say, Jesus, your mother and brother, they outside want to see you. And Jesus says this statement. He says, who is my mother and my brothers? He turns and he looks at his 12 and he says, this is my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of my father, that's my mother and brothers. He redefined family and he corrected the difference between relatives and family. Oftentimes you have misplaced loyalties because of blood. Go back a couple of verses. Go back to verse 45. Real quick, Matthew 12, 45. Can I just show you since we're there anyway? All right, I got 10 minutes and I got to get to where I'm going. Then uh, he goes and takes seven, you know, go four, six. Come on for a second. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, you read it. One, two, ready, you read it. Now, lead this verse up. Now, I may not get past this verse because I'm going to help some of y'all understand some stuff. While he's talking, what's he doing to the multitude? What's he doing? His assignment. He's preaching to the multitudes. Behold, his mother and brother question, why weren't they in there? Why weren't they part of what he was doing? Because he knew they wouldn't honor him. So he said, you can't be a part of what I'm doing with your dishonor. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. Where's Joseph at? His mother and brother stood outside. So here's what they did. They, they did, come here, come here, come here. Watch this, like a church. They in the vestibule. They show up in the middle of the church, won't come in here. Then I said, okay, you go get so-and-so, go get so-and-so, go get so-and-so. Put the verse up. So, so, so here's what happens. They stand outside and they say, listen, come on, come on. Get Jesus, we need to speak with him. Jesus is up preaching. Go get Jesus, we need to speak with him. Here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to check him using their rank as family to justify their dishonor. They were trying to pull him down. You ain't all that. Come on down here with us. That's what some of y'all been dealing with this year. You just think you're all that because you got a church. You just think you're all that. Baby, I know that. I know that. I know who I am. I was sent to be changed, not let your crazy tail change me. Watch. Seeking to speak with him. Verse 47. Then one said to him, look, your mothers and brother. Your mothers, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Let me also throw this in there. That's how we know Mary ain't no virgin no more. Brothers. And all of them came from God. <laughs> your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Okay. While he's preaching. Next verse. But he answered and said to the one who told him, notice, he, watch this. He didn't even look at them. Now, I need y'all to check this out. I need y'all to hear me. Some of you keep getting pulled in the family drama. And the problem is, is that you're too involved with folk who don't want to change. And you keep doing it because you keep saying, that's my mother and my brothers and my cousin and my sister and my auntie and my uncle. But they don't want to change. And I'm going to get in somebody's Kool-Aid. Somebody's pulling. And they'll do enough to make you think they do only to pull you back in their drama Jesus told the one see Jesus said listen I'm going to be close enough to influence but far enough not to be influenced verse 
He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Look what he says. He says, who? Who? Who is my mama and who are my brothers? Next verse. And he stretched out his hands towards his disciples. He's at church. He stretched his hand out on his road. A neighbor that talks good to him. And he says, this is my mother and brothers. Now, what's significant is none of them was a woman, a woman. So he doesn't mean that literally. What is a mother and a brother? Family relationship. He says, this is my family. They are my relatives. Next verse. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my family. He redefined family and relatives. Okay, all right. Okay, now somebody pulled me there, but watch the verse. Watch the verse. Now, David had misplaced loyalty for Absalom because he said, that's my son. He ain't doing what I said. He don't listen. He act crazy. He got stank at too. But that's my son. I can't believe he's dead. And here's the trip about it. He has misplaced loyalty. I've taught you this before, but let me visit it again. Because he's thinking to himself, maybe Absalom turned out this way because of me. So maybe it's my fault that he turned out like this and that he's a betrayer and that he's a liar and that he's deceitful. Maybe it's my fault. So I'm mourning that he's dead. But here's what's interesting. Touch your neighbor say, here's the interesting part. Man, I didn't even tend to preach about this, but I'm helping somebody, I suppose. Here's the interesting part. The only reason he thought like that is because he started thinking about his past. And he said to himself, you know what? I know what it's like for nobody to fight for you. Because my daddy, Jesse, didn't fight for me. And so he didn't fight for me. And so even though he didn't try to take my kingdom out my hands... Even though he's betrayed me, stole money, stole this, stole that, maybe, just maybe, I should have called him one more time. I should have emailed him one more time. I should have texted him one more time. I should have called one more time. Because his loyalty was to David, watch this, not because, or his loyalty was to Absalom, not because of Absalom, but because of his daddy. He was, watch this, he was trying to compensate for what wasn't done for him. Some of the stuff y'all do today, touch your neighbor and say, Bishop's talking to you today. And by you, I'm talking to all of us, myself included. Some of the stuff we do ain't got nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with what wasn't done for us. So the reason you get in debt at Christmas time is because you keep saying, well, we didn't have good Christmas. I'm going to give my kids a good Christmas. Not at the expense of debt. Y'all ain't going to talk. Y'all ain't going to talk. Some of the reasons some of y'all single folk get in these crazy relationships with folk and then know it's crazy and then still talking about, well, I'm just seeing. What? What the? World are you? Thank you, Jesus. What in the world? Are you look what you what else you need to see? It's quiet, but it ain't got nothing to do with that. It's because you're living from pain, not from purpose. 
You're going back to what your mama didn't do for you and what your daddy didn't do for you. And so now you're overcompensating for stuff that wasn't done for you, but you're doing it for people that haven't earned it. Let me move on. Here's the verse. 2 Samuel 18, 14. So David has this loyalty to Absalom that he shouldn't have. And so here it is. Absalom goes down. On 10 is when Absalom struck down. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand. Joab was one of David's mighty men. He was one of David's generals. And thrust them in Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the terrible tree. And ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. Watch this. This year, I know I'm talking to you because you'll just wave at me. Some Absaloms were revealed in your life. Watch this. And they were struck down. Watch this. What do you mean by that? You, what you didn't understand is the protection they had on their lives was because of your presence. All right, let me, let me leave that alone. That's too deep for you. That's too deep for you. So what happens is God says, I'm going to remove their protection. So while they thought they were hurting you, they didn't realize they were removing their protection. That's too deep for y'all. I'm sorry. That's too deep. All right, let's move on. That's too deep. Number six, arm 10 is when God smites your enemies just when they least expect it after you release the desire to retaliate. This year, you've been forced to forgive. So I've been forced to forgive. Say it like me. I've been forced to forgive. That's why stuff kept getting thrown in your face because God says you're going to forgive and you're going to get over this and it ain't going to be no little fake church forgiveness. I just forgive me in the name of Jesus. God says you're going to forgive to the very root of your core. Anybody been forced to forgive this year? Well, it, it seems like every day it got thrown in your face, thrown in your face, thrown in your face. And now when you look at it, you ain't even bitter about it no more. You ain't even mad about it. You're like, thank you. Because what hurt me deepest has helped me the most. 1 Samuel 25, 38. 1 Samuel 25, 38. On 10 is when God smites your enemies just when they expect it and you release the desire to retaliate. I'm getting to where I'm going. Then it happened after about 10 days, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Nabal means a fool. So David heard that Nabal was dead and he said, watch what he says. Blessed be the Lord. They walk in. So check the scenery. Here's the scenery. David, David, David. Nabal is dead. He died. He gone. Didn't nobody tell me nothing. He he said, he said, he's gone. Watch what David says. David doesn't mourn. David doesn't say, oh, sackcloth and ashes. Here's what David says. Thank you. <laughs> Won't he do it? Blessed be the Lord who's pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. David said, I wanted to retaliate. I was plotting and planning in my head. But before I could, God caused me to release this situation and release the desire to retaliate. And when I release the desire to retaliate, then the Lord said, now let me handle Nabal. I dare you for everything that's still lingering, throw your hands up and say, I release all hurt, bitterness, and unforgiveness. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for unforgiveness. I release it into your hands, Lord. Purge that unforgiveness out of me. Purge that bitterness out of me in Jesus' name. Yes. Let me get to where I'm going. Number seven, on 10 is when you reach the end of a test for a promotion. You can get Sunday's message because I got to get to where I'm going. Number, 10, or number eight was on 10 is when what hurts you deepest, what hurts you deepest, Genesis 8, 4. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually into the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. I taught you this 
on Sunday and the 915 message and those series that I mentioned at the beginning of this message. So there's tons of references there. Why would the Bible take the time to name the mountain? It takes the time to name everything because the name has a significance. Ararat means this in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament. It means my pain, sorrow, and hurt cause me to be great. Say my pain, my sorrow, my hurt cause me to be great. Say in other words, my pain, sorrow, and hurt push me to be on 10. The flood forced the ark to the top of the mountain, uh, which is a Hebrew idiom for achieving the best. And the floods in your life this year have forced the best out of you. I'm going to say it again. The floods in your life, what's the flood represent, Bishop? Your pain, hurt, sorrow. It has forced the best out of you. God, I wish I had a witness here. It's forced you. There's some stuff you wouldn't decide, so pain forced you to. There's some stuff you wouldn't talk about, so pain forced you to. Just push your neighbor on the side. Don't knock him off their chair. Don't knock him off their chair. Just push him on the side. Say, that's what your hurt did to you. Say, it forced you. Now, say, that's good news. Now, I told you this on Sunday. We often make an idol out of what hurts us, so we never see how it helps us because then what we do is we make an idol out of the pain, an idol out of the hurt, and then now that idol becomes something we worship. So we don't live, watch this, from purpose. We live from pain. Now, watch this. One of the primary ways that what hurts us deepest helps us most is it calls us from that pain into purpose. Why are you a Christian today? Calvary. What was Calvary for Jesus? Pain. Come on, be a good church. How did Joseph become prime minister of Egypt? Betrayal. Pain. Lied on. Pain. Being forgotten about. Pain. But at the end, he was in purpose. How did Moses become the deliverer? His name in Hebrew, Moshe, meaning to draw out. How did he become the deliverer of the Egypt, of the Israelites, of the Hebrews? How did he do that? How in the world did Moses do that? He was sent to the wilderness for 40 years on the backside of the desert and left there in obscurity and pain. But how'd they come out? His pain became purpose. You're not getting it, church. You're not getting it because you'd be shouting about your own pain if you understood the principle. You'd be shouting about it. You'd be shouting about it. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The greatest changes in your life come on the heels of pain. Now, you can determine if those are good or bad, but here's what's interesting. The word church in, in the Hebrew is the word ekklesia. Say ekklesia. That means people that are called out. It doesn't mean a building. It means people that are called out and we gather in a building. We call the building the church, but the reality is that we are the church because where we go, there is church. Say, I am the church. Now, check this out. God constantly calls every area of your life out of darkness and into light, but he also is constantly calling you out of pain into purpose. I'm going somewhere with this. I got five minutes left. Say with Bishop. Say, what hurts me deepest helps me most. I'm being called out of pain into purpose. Now, I'll say this. I said, stick with me. Revelation eleven fifteen, 15, because we're going to turn the corner. 
Revelation 11:15 says this, and the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become, I love it how it says this, the kingdoms of this world, uh, this version says have become, other version says are become. Now that's interesting, which means say it's happening now. The kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, there are, you know this, I've told you this before, seven kingdoms or, or, or societal spheres, the terms are synonymous, for us to take over in our nation and to make his. You get in this church. I'm going to connect your pain to purpose. I'm going to do it right now. So it's happening right now. Now. And we make those seven kingdoms or seven societal spheres, which are arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, spirituality. We make them his by transforming them. And the first way we do that, watch where I'm going, is by getting people in the church. Okay, so you got quiet on me now. You shouting about pain. You getting quiet now. How is it that we take over education? Now, first off, our King's kids are doing a doggone good job of it because they're going to school and making school rooms. Talk about I'm on 10 and yes, they are. They got teachers watching. Yes, they are. Shout out. I told them I'd shout out. Now, now, but, but how do we do that? Say getting them into the church. See, the church is the transformation ground, and from the church, then you go transform those other societal spheres. You come here to train so you can reign, so when you get out there, you can transform. You're not on your job. Watch this. Some of y'all just, I just go and I just leave. I don't want to be bothered. And that's why you can't get promoted because you're not doing what you were sent to do. You were sent there so that every time they see you coming, here come that harvest guy. They always talking about God, always talking about church, always talking about prayer. Which means you ain't doing a good job of it until they're annoyed by it. And I'd much rather offend them than offend God. Now watch where we're going with this. Watch where we're going with this. Watch where we're going with this. Touch your neighbor, say, stay with Bishop. Now, in Acts 1.8, Jesus said that the church would be empowered to change lives in the city, in the region, in the nation, in the world. He says, but you shall receive power. Now, wait a minute. Remember, we started with this. Leave the verse up. That after order comes what? Power. That word power was the word dunamis. That's the same word right here. This is the story we were talking about. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses. To who? Me. Who's me? Jesus. Where? In Jerusalem. Say that's the city. Judea. Say that's the region. Samaria. Say the nation. And then the earth. Notice. Starts right where you're at. Then it expands. Watch this. Watch this. Say the birth of a new nation. The reason you've gone through what you needed to go through this year is to start in you to expand around you. Come on, it's so simple. Don't make it hard. It ain't hard. I promise it is not algebra two. It is not calculus. Maybe that's your thing. If that's your thing, great. 
Some of us just have people that we have to do that. Now, what's this? What's this? Say, it starts in me and then expands. Now, can I just get technical for about 60 seconds? All right, now, watch this. Save me, church. Jesus has just ascended. Now, this is after the crucifixion. He comes and he spends 40 days with them, teaching them stuff that the Bible doesn't record. And the scripture says what he taught them in those 40 days was so deep. It was so profound. It was so impactful. They don't have enough books to record what he said. What he did in those 40 days was more significant than what he did in three and a half years. Be, be a good church. Be a good church. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with Bishop. Now, which teaches me a very powerful lesson. The lesson is this. He just come out of pain. Crucified. Three days, he goes, gets the keys to the kingdom so that we can be given authority. He resurrects. He spends 40 days with his team and says, I got to teach you all some stuff, and then I'm gone. Got it? Ten days later, they're in the upper room. Then he gives them power. Now, they just lost him twice. Be a good church. He's crucified, resurrected. Jesus is gone. He comes back. Jesus is here. How long are you going to be here? For a little bit. When you're leaving, a little bit, you know. Then he says, listen, guys, I got to go. What? You just got here. Jesus, you've only been here 40 days, sir. Please stay with us. Please stay with us. He said, no, I got to go. So you're going to lose me again. Watch this. So what emotion are they dealing with while they're in that upper room? Grief. Watch this. I need you to catch this. I need you to catch this. They just lost him a second time. Whenever you go through loss, y'all told me I could get technical for a while. Y'all getting, whenever you go through loss, your mind processes it as grief. Then grief, you go through the stages of grief recovery. I've talked to you this before. So when they're in that upper room, they ain't up there shouting. When they're in that upper room, they up there crying and mourning and in grief because a second time now he's gone again. Which is why this year it seemed like something was finally getting ready to happen. Seemed like you were finally getting ready to have a breakthrough. Seemed like you were finally getting ready to make some significant progress. Then all of a sudden again you're back in grief. Well, I got an announcement for you. Say, what's the announcement, Bishop? I just bit my lip. That's the announcement. Okay. No. <laughs> That's not the announcement. Here's the announcement. They're in pain, but they're getting ready to be given power. They're in pain, but he's getting ready to pull them into purpose. Say so they're in pain, being pulled into purpose. Here we are, Acts 1-8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. Do you know what that word witnesses means in Greek, the language of our New Testament? Martyrs. He says, from now on, I know you're in pain. I know you're grieving. I know you still got some stuff you're dealing with. He said, but from this moment on, you're going to be my martyr. Martyr. 
What's a martyr? One who gives up their life for the life of something else. Can I say it another way? One who uses their life to change the lives of somebody else. He didn't tell them on the mountaintop. He told them when they were getting ready to enter a valley. Say, say with me, church. Stay with me, church. Stay with me, church. I know. Ain't nobody saying that, no. Watch this. Say a new nation. Remember, it starts right around you, then it expands. Say, it starts right around me, then it expands. Say, it starts in me, expands around me. Okay, now check this out. Check this out. See, God needed you to be new. So then you can make what's around you new. Touch your neighbor and say, you don't have a clue who you sit next to. A new nation is birth when people use their lives to change the lives of others. The birth of a nation. There was a movie that uh, recently came out and it really it dealt with a movie that had come out some time ago called The Birth of a Nation. And it tells the story now about how a slave used his life now. He was used as a propaganda tool for slave masters to keep slaves in line. But then once he realized that that book didn't actually, uh, 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 how should I say, that that book didn't coalesce their uh, propaganda nor did it go along with their dogma that supported the narrative that slavery for African Americans was somehow God's will or God's desire once he realized that the book actually gave the people liberty once he realized that the book actually set people free he said wait a minute I got to change something I can no longer use my life to enslave folk he said uh, and to keep them in line to their masters he said I'm going to start using my life to change the lives of people and to change the lives of individuals and I'm going to use it to set them free and it chronicles the narrative of his life and it chronicles the narrative of how he now became watch this he's often called a revolutionary leader but the truth is is he was an evolutionary leader mm-hmm uh-huh. Say the birth of a nation. He said, watch this, a revolutionary re- revolution. Watch this, when you look at re again, to revolve. So revolution deals with a sudden and drastic change in something. Now, but the word, ba- based on its basic etymology, it implies that I'm going back to something to try to undo something. But an evolution says... I'm becoming something totally new. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, 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 no. A revolution says, let's go back and undo what was. And evolution says, let's move forward into what shall be. Uh, okay, okay, okay. You're not, you're, not, you're not here. The birth of a nation took an evolutionary leader. It chronicles this story about how he led this slave uprising. And as he led this slave uprising, how many lives um, that it changed. And it chronicles the narrative of it. But it, the story is really significant because it really, uh, there was a spiritual component. He was a preacher. Say so he's a preacher. And whenever you look throughout the Bible, whenever God wanted to do something in a nation, he'd use a preacher. When he wanted to change what was going on in Egypt, he used a preacher. When he wanted to change what was going on uh, with his people in the days of the New Testament, he used a preacher. That preacher happened to be himself. He was a pretty good one, Jesus, but he used a preacher. Whenever there's a problem in the earth, God uses a person. You sitting up saying, where is change? Where is change? Point to yourself. You. I'm going somewhere. If y'all help me get there. The birth of a nation took an evolutionary leader. Now, Harvest, hear me. 
We are not revolutionaries. We are evolutionaries. We're not interested in going back to try to redo what was. We're saying let's move forward into what shall be. Now, 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 now. Jesus has been falsely identified as a revolutionary. And while that's not inaccurate, it is complete because the reality is Jesus said, I'm coming to do something totally brand new. Say new. new. Now, let me get to the close of this. Y'all, y'all all right? Let me get to the close of this. Say, I am the birth, am the birth of a new nation. In our apprenticeship school of servant leadership, we used to show a documentary about a great church in the Bible Belt of the U.S., and the pastor's mother says this statement. It says, it wasn't a question of if he was going to change the world. The question is who was going to do it with him. Mm -hmm. Let me just go ahead and make it practical. It's not a question of if Bishop Foreman and Harvest will change the world. That ain't the question. The question is who's going to do it with us? Okay, okay. See, 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 watch this. Um, I, I'm very convinced of what I've been sent to do. Uh, Touch your neighbor say, Bishop is convinced. Now, so I understand what this year was about. Uh, now, now, say, I'm convinced. Say, we're convinced that we are sent to be changed. Now, now watch this. Our, our mission, church, is to lead people to totally. Now, watch this. We're in the business of changing lives. Black lives, white lives, Latin lives, Asian lives, Arab lives, whatever else lives. Every age, every race, every color, every background, every pedigree, every economic situation, everybody, anywhere, no previous church experience necessary. Bishop, what are you trying to say? All your hurt wasn't just for you. You deal with folk every day that are dealing with some of the same stuff and worse than you. And you're the answer. And instead of being the answer, instead of being the birth of a new nation, you just walk past them and don't say nothing. Well, that day is over. That day is over. In this region and in the region we're expanding to, if they don't come, it won't be because they don't know we're here. So I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to do something on Sunday. Say Sunday. I want you to make Sunday a success. Because if it doesn't happen, it'll be on you. Psalm 92.13 says, if you make uh, harvest flourish, God will make you flourish. Janet Jackson asked the question, what have you done? Question, what have you done for Jesus lately? I know what you want to do for you. What have you done for him? I want to challenge you, church, for this particular weekend, this, this weekend, which is My Life Matters Sunday. Now, some of y'all have sat up, and you heard me, and ain't invited nobody. And I understand, you're so busy. I know you're the most busy person on the planet. I know, you know, you're running companies and, you know, got business deals in Dubai. And <laughs> <laughs> Flying your personal jet everywhere. 
was at the Rolls dealership the other day, and then, and then you went to Bentley dealership, and, and then you were like, I don't know, I just think I just want a helicopter, I don't know. Look, <laughs> now I'm being funny, here's the deal. But check this out. Why would all that hurt go to waste? And now one person come to Jesus because of it. Why would it go to waste? Say, but Bishop, I benefited, and that's the problem. So far, only you have benefited. But you're in your after this. Which means all the hurt you went through isn't just for you. Now, check this out. Check this out. Luke 5, 4. Jesus said this. I'm done. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Later on, verses 10 and 11, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Harvest, I want to challenge our church and those, all those digital cameras and all that. Obviously, the whole church is not here on Wednesday, but I want to challenge everybody. Let's go fishing. And let's have a great catch this weekend. I said, I want to challenge us to go fishing and have a great catch this weekend. Harvest, we're launching into the deep, and I need you to come on, go fishing with me. What's that mean, Bishop? In the deep water, you catch fish you can't catch in the shallow water. See, in the shallow water, you get church hoppers and shoppers who are often fickle, who are trying something this weekend, trying this that weekend, check that. Got it? But when you go to the deep, that's where you get the unchurched, de church. Unchurched, never been to church, de church, we're connected and fell away from church. I want to challenge you to go there this weekend. So we're trying something this weekend, church, and I need you to take it seriously. I said, I need you to take it seriously. It's quiet in here. Say, what hurt me deepest has helped me most. Now, watch this. 82% of folks say, unchurched folks say, if they'll come if invited. Now, I know the statistics. They didn't ask nobody in Denver that question. I know that. But you, I know that. I just know that's true. But you cannot clean fish before you catch them. So don't invite people judgmentally. Hell is hot. See it harvest. Don't do it like that. Don't do it like that. Since we're fishing, use your bait. What's your bait? Your testimony. What hurts you deepest is not going to help just you the most. It's getting ready to help somebody else the most. Watch this. Watch this. Now everybody, every fish response to different bait. Some is an act of kindness. Some, your testimony. Truth be told, for most people, your story will help them. There's an invite card, a CD, the mobile app. Share it on social media. Different fish respond to different bait, but everybody's hungry. Everybody needs Jesus, and everybody needs a life-giving church like Harvest to conquer the challenges of life. Hear me. The only thing that's going to count when you leave this earth are the people that made those decisions. Not your 401K, not your bank account, not your spouse, your kids, your house, your car. When you stand before God, he's going to read you a lift of changed lives because of your efforts. So I want to challenge us, church. Because some of y'all didn't know I was turning that corner. To the birth of a new nation. This phrase and some of the things I said tonight are going to make more sense over the next several weeks as I'm preparing us for the year we're walking into. But there's been some stuff that has happened in your life this year, and it wasn't just for you. It was so that this weekend could happen for somebody else. 
Bad, some crazy stuff happened this year? Good. Now, here's what we're going to do this weekend. We're going to make Satan pay for it. I am. We're going to make him pay for it. So he's going to pay. How do we make him pay? The Bible says, I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. What do you want to build? The church. And whose gates can't prevail? The gates of hell. I want to challenge you, church. Over these next few days, I want to challenge you. When you see somebody, you invite somebody. Everybody, all the time, everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere is a St. Louis colloquialism mixed with a little southern colloquialism, which means everywhere. Bishop, they don't look like they come to church. Why? Why you say that? Well, they just don't look like, why what? Fish look different. I've never seen two catfish that look the same. Truth be told, I've never wanted to look at two catfish. They're slimy, gross fish. Then again, I've never seen a tilapia in its natural habitat. So I just want to just think happy thoughts in my mind about what happens. <laughs> so don't nobody be sending in YouTubes about it and saying, here you go, bitch. I don't want to see. I just want to pretend like they're in very clean water and very clean areas. And that's, just, that's what I want to have go on in my head. So just leave me there. I'm asking God to baptize us over these next few days with an exuberant passion to get everybody we can here on Sunday. And if we get them here, we'll let him do the rest. But let's get them here. Let's get them here. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Anybody ready to see your cousin say, Anybody ready to see your gang member cousin saved and your, your crazy cousin and your crazy auntie, whoever. Any, uh, anybody ready to see some transformation? I am. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.